Uh, some time ago, the New York Times uh, reported on current education philosophy. Uh, in the particular focus of it, uh, this article was the aim of higher education. And the article highlighted a distinguished professor of the University of Chicago who gave an annual address to incoming freshmen. And the title of his talk was The Aims of Education. And in this lecture, uh, the professor told the students that there were two goals that the university would not pursue. Uh, first, the university would not pursue truth. Uh, if there's truth, uh, it's up to the student uh, to find it. Uh, the university won't help with that. Uh, you know what, what the tuition is for the University of Chicago? If I told you, you'd say, a little truth would be nice for that kind of money. But uh, uh, second, the professor said uh, that the university would not uh, provide moral guidance to their students. Uh, the professor said that uh, no student should expect the university to help them pursue either truth or morality. And this is where the New York Times quoted uh, another University of Chicago professor named Stanley Fish, who has become kind of a mini celebrity in the educational philosophy world. And uh, he wrote a book uh, about the aim of college education, which he told professors this in the book. Professors, you might be able to make your students into good researchers, but you cannot make them into good people, and you should not try. You ought to aim at making them smart. You might even be able to make them rich, but do not aim to try to make them morally good. And all this comes from Dr. Fish's book, and you know what the title of Dr. Fish's book was? The title was Aim Low. And I think he's doing a good job of that. Uh, Jesus is into a, a totally different educational philosophy. Uh, Jesus never aims low. Uh, he loves his students uh, too much for that. Jesus certainly does not aim to make me smart or certainly doesn't aim to make me rich. But Jesus does aim infinitely high. Jesus aims to make me the best I can be in 2017. And Jesus explains what he is aiming for and how he will lift me to my best in this next year in a little story that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. And in these words, Jesus teaches profound truths about what makes my heart good and lifts me to my very best. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable, Jesus said. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rock are those who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life, life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Jesus makes it clear that this story is not about soils, it's about souls, and about how Jesus wants to raise me to my personal best. Jesus teaches that living at my best starts with having and maintaining a good heart. And on this first day of 2017, Jesus wants to aim high for me and calls me to join him in aiming high. I want the best. I want the best for my 2017 by being the best possible me in 2017. And Jesus teaches that pursuing a good heart is the good start, the great start that I'm looking for. So let's study what Jesus says about having and maintaining a good heart. First, Jesus teaches that a good heart receives God's word. Uh, Jesus ends the parable with these words. The seed on good soil stands for those with a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So if we want to know what Jesus is looking for in terms of aiming high in our lives, it's in that phrase, produce a crop. Uh, when I live my best, I am producing a crop. Uh, and we know what crop Jesus is talking about because he tells us what seed he is having in mind. Uh, when a farmer plants apple seeds, you know that the farmer has apples in mind. Uh, when a farmer plants pumpkin seeds, you know that the farmer has uh, a crop of pumpkins in mind. When God plants the seed of his word, you know that God wants the fruit of his word evidenced in my life. So in verse 11, Jesus says that the seed that God plants in the soil of my heart is his word. And so we know what the crop is that Jesus is looking for here. It is the life fruit that comes when I receive God's word and I follow it with my life. That's the next point. A good heart follows God's word. Jesus' secret for a fruitful new year is to have a good heart that receives God's word and then follows God's word, where follow means applying God's word to my life. And the fruit comes when I do both. And if I believe Jesus about this, then I'll be very interested in what we're calling here at BlackRock, read it, live it, where it, of course, is the Bible. Uh, read it, live it is what we're calling our church-wide invitation uh, to our read through the Bible in a year or our read through the New Testament in a year. Uh, and today is the perfect day to sign up because the reading schedule begins tomorrow. So join me, would you? Join me and hundreds of other black rockers as we follow Jesus' advice to plant God's word in our hearts every day in 2017. 
And as I both read and apply the Bible daily, then I produce the crop that Jesus is looking for. But what is this fruit? What does this fruit look like? Well, inspired by God, the Apostle Paul uh, in Galatians chapter 5 supplies a list of nine qualities he calls the fruit of God's Spirit, where the first fruit is love, which isn't a set of warm feelings toward people. It is actually unselfish actions toward people, including people who don't like me or hurt me. Then there's joy. Joy is this inner gladness and contentment that transcends circumstances. Then there's uh, peace, which is an inner calm, even in the midst of the storms of life. And there's patience, which is an inner strength under stress. There's kindness, uh, which is the ability to respond to people with a perfect blend of helpfulness and thoughtfulness. And there's goodness, which is a spiritual excellence of doing God's will in my life. And there's faithfulness, which is the ability to persevere and be reliable in areas where it really counts. And there's gentleness, which is the ability to approach my relationships with a life-giving touch. And there's self-control, which is exercising power over the self-destructive parts of me. In 2017, would you like to see these nine qualities uh, in your life? Well, Jesus says the secret is to keep planting God's word in your heart. Keep receiving God's word and then applying God's word, and then you'll reap a harvest of these uh, nine fruits. But Jesus is very practical, and Jesus knows that all my good intentions about a good heart depend on my ability to overcome the three barriers to a good heart. Jesus describes these three barriers to a good heart in this parable where the first barrier is busyness. Jesus says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Jesus paints a picture of a seed sown on a path where uh, it does not take root and does not produce fruit because it's in the midst of heavy traffic. And Jesus is saying that there is no fruitfulness when God's word is trampled on in my life through busyness. Today is January 1st, and many of us go back uh, from our holiday routine uh, to our regular routine starting tomorrow, maybe the next day, and we're dreading it. We're dreading it because we know that it means that we're going to be going from our frantic holiday schedule to our even more frantic regular schedule. And we're so pressured and we feel so stressed and exhausted already that we look to Jesus and say, Jesus, where's this peace that you promised? And I think Jesus says to us, how can I give you my peace when you choose to be so busy and refuse to slow down. And it's true. Nobody forces us to be frantic. Our panic pace is the result of all these small and big choices that we make. And just like I choose to be busy, I can also choose to slow down. 
I can choose to carve out time to breathe and to appreciate the people and the many wonderful things and blessings that God brings into my life. I can choose to carve out time to read God's word and slow down enough to actually apply it to my life. I really hope that you will join me in uh, this read through the Bible uh, effort. But I also hope that you will um, commit up front to do more than just a quick read. You know, just a, just a quick read every day. Jesus says that God's word is a seed. And I think we need to take that image seriously. You know, a seed, you know, when you think of an apple seed, it's a miracle in a tiny little package. When you think about that tiny little seed, it produces a tree that can then produce multitudes of other apples with multitudes of other seeds. A seed is a miracle. But in order for that seed to turn into the miracle of a tree, it takes some time. And the truth is, the same is true with the seed of God's word. I can't expect the miracle of transformation uh, to be like Jesus, to take place in my life if I don't give some time to it. I can't trample the seed of God's word under a frantic schedule and expect the miracle of growth to take place. Jesus aims to make me the best that I can be in 2017. And this includes producing a crop of unshakable peace in my heart. But I must choose it. I have to choose to refuse busyness and choose to carve out some time, some time to receive the word and carve out time to apply the word to my life, which leads to the second barrier to a good heart. The second barrier is unbelief. Uh, Jesus says in verse 13, the seed that falls on the rocky soil are the ones who receive the word of God with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Uh, I've been emphasizing the truth that we need to apply God's word and not just read it. And you may be asking yourself, what does that mean? Well, applying the Bible means believing. It means believing what I read and enough to then change the way I live based on it. Uh, for instance, as you read the Bible, you'll find that God promises over and over again to give his perfect wisdom to any of his children who will just ask for it. So let's just say I come across this very promise in James chapter 1, and if in my reading, I pause and then say, Jesus, I have a decision to make uh, regarding uh, a relationship I have with a friend and whether to confront this friend with a, an obstacle in our relationship. Would you give me wisdom to know whether I should do this or if I should, how I should approach it? That is reading and receiving God's word and then applying it with belief. That's believing. But there's, you know, there's a possibility there that you can also read that promise with unbelief, which is reading that promise with no intention of asking God for any wisdom regarding your decisions. Why? Because I don't believe that God really gives wisdom, or I don't believe that God would give me wisdom, or I don't believe that I need God's wisdom, or I don't believe... You get the idea that non-application of God's word is the result of unbelief at some level in my heart. 
Jesus aims to make me the best that I can be in 2017, which includes raising up in me a harvest of wisdom for everyone of my decisions this year. But in order to produce this crop, I must believe. I must believe what I read in a way that changes the way I live. And I must hold on to this belief, hold on to it in the midst of the difficulties of life, or what Jesus calls the times of testing, which leads to the third barrier to a good heart, which is worry. Uh, Jesus says, the seed that fell on the thorny soil stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Uh, as I aim high for a good heart uh, that produces a great crop, Jesus says that I have to beware of the choking effect of material distractions, which Jesus calls life's worries. Uh, to Jesus, worries are fears, fears even related to riches and pleasures uh, that I have and I fear that I might lose, uh, fears over physical diseases that I fear I might have or I might contract, fears of relational issues or financial losses or vocational uncertainties, fear in every area of my life. And all this fear chokes the life out of life. You know, uh, this fear is the opposite of what God wants to produce in me, the crop of love and joy and peace and everything else that Jesus wants to grow in me. Jesus wants to bring out the best in me, but fear brings out the worst. I cannot be led in 2017 by both God's word and my fear at the same time. One will always choke the other. And as for me, my desire for 2017 is that I would be led by God's word in a way that would just choke my personal fear. Some time ago, I, I saw a movie called The, uh, the Bear. And it sounds like a kid's movie, but it isn't. Uh, it's actually a serious, uh, it's a foreign film. It's, uh, it's virtually wordless because it's a, it's a story filmed from uh, a little bear's perspective. Uh, this bear who <clears throat> loses his mother uh, to death. And, you know, his mother dies, and this cub's survival is uh, doubtful. Uh, because, as this little bear knows, a huge mountain lion is stalking uh, this little cub. But then a strange thing happens. Uh, this uh, massive Kodiak bear, uh, daddy bear, adopts this little cub. Uh, and this Kodiak bear teaches this cub how to fish and how to scratch an itchy back against uh, the bark of a tree. And, and everything this daddy bear does, this little cub does. Until one day, the daddy and the little bear are separated. And sure enough, the mountain lion has been tracking this whole situation. And this is the moment that uh, the mountain lion has been looking for to get this little bear alone. And so the mountain lion comes face to face with this cub and bears its uh, snarling yellow fangs. And uh, instead of being afraid, even though this is this moment when you fear that this lion is going to tear this little bear apart, this little bear isn't afraid. This little bear does what uh, he's seen his daddy do in situations like this. And so this little bear gets up on 
uh, its hind legs and raises its paws in the air and lets out what is supposed to be a roar, but it sounds more like a little squeak. And uh, then the camera returns to the, to the mountain lion. And we see this mountain lion's eyes fly open in fear, and it shivers in panic. And then the mountain lion uh, turns and runs away. And now the camera comes back to this little bear standing on its hind legs with its paws in the air. And then the camera pans back, and we see what the mountain lion saw, which is that six feet behind this little cub was the massive Kodiak bear with its paws in the air and this bear making it clear that this cub belongs to him, that this cub will never be alone, but will always be under this daddy's care. And this is the same dynamic that Jesus wants to operate with his word in my life. Jesus aims high for me. Jesus plants his word in my heart with an educational philosophy where he wants to, through his word, teach me how to live like him. And I will if, if I have and maintain a good heart that fights off busyness and unbelief and all that worry so that I can receive and apply God's word. You know, I don't, you know, 2017 is like every other year. It's going to have some lions that threaten you. You will have lions staring you face to face. And in that moment, you can win. You can win if you receive and apply God's word on a daily basis. Because if you follow the Father's word, you'll have all the Father's presence and power backing you up. So read it. Live it. Because devoting yourself to a good heart is not just a great start. It is everything you need to aim high and operate at your personal best in this new year.